Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. But I'm going to be ministering to you today a message entitled, Called to be Light. I want you to grab your Bible and turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse number 14. And uh, we're going to read 14 through 16. We're continuing our message on the Sermon on the Mount, what I like to call the Christian's Code of Conduct. I think it's important for us to understand that the Bible said that Jesus left the multitude and went up into a mountain with His disciples and He sat down and He taught them. So there was a multitude there hanging on His every word. He could have went down and He could have preached to the multitude, but instead, instead, He saw it more valuable to teach the disciples how to conduct themselves as Christians, which lets us know that God puts more value on our actions than He does on our words. Okay, I'm going to say that again. God puts more value on our actions than He does on our words. And so it's important that we conduct ourselves correctly. Let's pray. Father, we come to You today. We thank You for the opportunity to be able to minister Your Word with power, with anointing, with spiritual insight. Touch the ears of the hearers to hear, the hearts to receive our understanding that it would be enlightened. Touch my lips of clay. May my lips be as the pen of a ready writer today as I minister Your Word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now it's important, I think, for us to understand that this is a continuation of the conversation that Jesus was having Uh, with the disciples where he was talking to them about the Beatitudes. Two weeks ago I ministered to you out of uh, verse number 13 where Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, and if the salt is lost to savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. So we talked about being salt. Today, in the very same conversation that Jesus was having here, he said these words, verses 14 through 16. Ye are the light of the world. Somebody say, I'm the light. Come on. Ye are the light of the world. So you, the church, are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16 says this, Let your light. Somebody say, that's my light. Come on. Come on. That's my light. That's my light. Let, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Say, that's my good works. It's my good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now we're going to read this out of the Amplified later on. But before we do, I have a series of slides today by way of introduction. And what I want to do is we'll just go through these slides. And these slides are going to be challenging to you. Some of you that were in the first service, did they make you think? They sure did, right? They're going to make you think. You're going to experience emotions when you see these slides. You don't know what the emotions are going to be unless you were in the first service. You don't know what the emotions are going to be. Some of these slides may be shocking. Some of them may not. I'm sure you're going to wonder what we're going to be talking about uh, out of these slides. But by way of introduction, I want to just kind of show you these slides And we're going to ask ourselves, what do you see? Okay, first slide. Here we go. What do you see? 
All right, next slide. What do you see? You're already getting the emotions, aren't you? I mean, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, third slide. Wow. What do you see? I'll guarantee you that this young lady was raised by someone who loves her dearly and taught her that that's the way that she's supposed to live. So what do you see? Okay, next slide. Here we go. What do you see? Not just them, but, but the crowd behind them. Next slide. If that one didn't stir emotion, what about this one? You know, and, and the crowd behind. I mean, what do you see? All right, let's do the next one. Oh, boy. What do you see? Next one. Hmm. Look at the bottom picture on the left. That was in the year 2000. Look at the one on the right. That's seven years later. That's what drugs do. Next one. Beautiful young lady with a beer. What do you see? Next slide, please. What do you see? Come on, read it to me. What do you see? It is not necessary for you to agree with an individual in order for you to let your light shine to them. For too long, the church has condemned people. The very people that we condemn that were pious towards. I'm going to preach it right today. The very people that we are... The word. If you work to work, the word. Remember, M.P.M. to 2 p.m. a.m. stays night. Thursday, m. 5 p.m. to 9 a.m. Wednesday, Monday through hours are my office hours. Are zero and seven one seven five six eight seven seven two. Call us at or you may call nine six six four three Florida Hudson Pony Line seven six three two at one. Write us at also you may TV dot Jesus four G the number and that's four for God Uncoast Equal Church of dot at for sir website. Join us now and go to join our information. For more than word, or with John working the working the word. That's how I'm welcome to work joining us. Well, thank you for. And he lets slight has less to be the notes cold. in the full element the right mode chest for a hey, the dead among the living why seek the dread not of life world not of the world he didn't say not to go out into the world he said that you're in it you live in it you drive in it you work in it you're in the world but you're not of the world
The problem with the church today is we're so, uh, here we go. The problem with the church today is we're so busy trying to look like the world because we want to be relevant so we can attract the world. We try to become what we call relevant. We use those words and those terminologies and things like that. That what's happening is when the world comes into the church, they look at us and they say, well, they're just like me. Why in the world would I need to waste my time on Sunday morning when I could be out there on a boat somewhere catching a bass? Think about it. Why do I want to live for God? Because the church is, I mean, and then, and, okay, now here we go. Here we go. I, listen, I love you, but I got to put it out there, okay? I told you this is going to be a challenging message, okay? So here's what happens. After a while, after we've come into the church, then we might not get drunk anymore, and we might not do drugs anymore, and uh, she might not dance around the pole anymore, and we might not be involved in the riots anymore, and, uh, you know, all of these kinds of things but we become mean and we become condemning and we become nasty and we get condescending and we, maybe it's just because I got 30 minutes of sleep last night, I don't know. But we look down our nose at people who are looking to us for the answer. Now I'm going to encourage you today to be the light of the world. I'm going to encourage you to be the light of the world. It is not necessary for you to agree with, the, in fact, the people that you win to Christ, you're probably not going to agree with their lifestyle when you're winning them to Christ. Okay, now, let's, let's look at the Amplified uh, scriptures here of this same passage called to be light verse number 14 amplified you are the light of the world somebody say that's me you on your paper the church that you need to fill that in you the church are the light of the world and then the Bible says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So the Bible is referring to the church or the disciples, the leaders of the church. The Bible is referring to them as a city, not as an individual. So that tells me that God has called the church to community. We are called into our community to let the light of Jesus shine to people that are broken, to people that are hurt, to people that are lost, to people that are, are led astray, we are called by Jesus into our community not to condemn them, but to let our light shine before them so the light can attract them to Jesus. It can drive the darkness out of their life and attract them to Jesus. Now, here's what the Bible says. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. I think what the Lord was trying to say here is we don't need to be looking to the government. We don't need to be looking to our educational system. We don't need to be looking to our neighbors. As a church, we need to embrace our lighthood. 
As a church, we need to embrace our lighthood. In other words, we need to have influence wherever we go. It's not our influence, but it's the influence of God inside of us. Here's what the Bible says. It says to let your light so shine. Somebody say, that's my light. Come on. Let your light so shine before men. And this is in the Amplified, that they may see your moral excellence. All right. If you go to a political rally, I don't care whether it's a Democratic rally or a Republican rally, would you please conduct yourself like a Christian? Come on, just look, just look at your neighbor and say, Pastor, getting in our stuff today. Tell him, tell him, say, but he loves us. Tell him, say, he loves us, he loves us. The Bible said here that, that, one, of, that, that, that one of the manifestations of, of having God's light inside of us is that when people see us, we shine with moral excellence. Now, that doesn't mean that we never make mistakes, and that doesn't mean that we are perfect, and it doesn't mean anything like that. You know, someone that projects themselves on lost people or people that don't know Christ as like as a person that has all the answers and perfect and things like that, you're just going to run them away. Okay? Here's what the lost need to see. They need to see you trying to do what's right. They need to see you picking yourself back up when you fall down. That's what they respect. They respect. Why do they respect it? Because you are communicating to them that God is worth it. Living for Him is worth it. And so the Bible said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds. Say, that's my deeds. That's my deeds, praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds, and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So the manifestation that we have the right light inside of us is that we have moral excellence or we're driving, striving for that, that we have praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds, and the results of this is that men will recognize, honor, praise, and glorify our Father. So when Jesus called us to be the light of the world, he was calling us to be like himself. I'm going to say it again. When Jesus called us to be the light of the world, he was calling us to be like himself. Now let's drive this point home just a little bit. Who was Jesus or who is Jesus? King of kings, Lord of lords, Savior of the world. Here's what I'm looking for. He's the Son of God. Okay? He's the Son of God. Now I want you to go with me please to John chapter 12 verses 35 and 36 and I want you to see where the Bible says that we are sons of the light. That we are sons of the light. Now look at verse number 35. So Jesus said to them, you will have the light only a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Keep on living by it so that darkness may not overtake and overcome you. He who walks about in the dark does not know where he goes. He is drifting. So people that are in the dark 
are drifting. That means that they're going nowhere. They're just floating around with no purpose and no direction. Life with God brings purpose. It brings guidance. It brings direction. I watched a video the other day. A 28-year-old young lady, millennial. I watched it. Making $80,000 a year on her IT job. She had been there for eight months. And they were interviewing her and asking her how she liked her job. And here's what she said. She said, I think I'm going to quit. 28 years old, making $80,000 a year, an IT job. She said, I think I'm going to quit. And they asked her, how come? She said, because I don't feel like I'm making a difference. Had nothing to do with the money that she was making. Had nothing to do with the home she was living in. Had nothing to do with the car that she was driving. Had nothing to do with the friends that were around her. She had this drive inside of her that made her want to make a difference in the world and she was willing to sacrifice an $80,000 a year job to fulfill that drive that was inside of her. You know what I think? I think just, she just needed Jesus. I think she just needed... And this is what the world is looking for today. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for direction. They're looking to matter. They're looking to be loved. They're looking for someone to include them in the conversation. Now here's what the Bible says. The Bible says right here that if we walk about in the dark, we don't know where we're going and we are drifting. And then verse number 36, here's what the Bible says. Now listen to this. While you have the light, believe in the light, have faith in it, hold on to it, rely on it, that you may become sons of the light. Family resemblance, that you may become sons of the light. Jesus looked at the disciples on the Sermon of the Mount and he told them in the Christian's code of conduct there, he told them, he said, you are the light of of the world. What he was telling them was this, while you have the light, believe in the light, have faith in it, hold to it, rely on it, that you may become sons of the light. Now look at this, and be filled with light. What's around you will get in you and come out of you. I said what's around you will get in you and come out of you. When you become a son of the light, that means that you become a son of God. And when we talk about the light, we're talking about the presence of God. We're talking about the radiance of God, the radiance of God's power, the radiance of God's glory. Here's what the Bible said in the Old Testament. It said, from the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. That's talking about being in the throne room of God. It was specifically talking about the throne room of God. And the Bible said, because of the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, the Bible said that the Holy Spirit came and sat upon them and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Why did they speak with other tongues? Because the Holy Spirit that was on them got down in them. They got, into an at, they got into the atmosphere. Jesus told them, you will be witnesses. You'll receive power after that. 
the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And then we go to Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit got on them and then the Holy Spirit got in them and then the same man that denied Jesus just 50 days earlier stood up and pro proclaimed the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to much the same crowd and 3,000 of them gave their life to Jesus Christ. What was the difference? The light that was around them got in them. And then it came out of them. And that's how you can know whether someone is actually being the light of Christ. We're called to be a son of of light. And then the Bible said, and will be filled with light. Jesus said these things, and when he went away and hid himself from them, and then the Bible said that he was lost from their view. Now, James chapter 1, verses 17 through 18. We're talking about being sons of the light. Now, in James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, the Bible says that God is the Father of what? Lights. Lights, okay? So every good gift and every per perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, verse number 18. This is going to get really good for just a couple of minutes here. You ready? Of his own will begat he us. You did not get saved by accident. God wanted to save. The call of God on your life was not God making an accident. God wanted to call you. Of his own will begat. Now that word begat comes from the word begotten which means procreated or, gen or generated. Now listen, procreated or generated. Now look at this. Of his own will he procreated and generated us with the Word of truth. God spoke you into existence as you are. He procreated you. He generated you from the Father of lights. And His original in intention was that you would be a son of light, which means that you would carry God's passion, that you would carry God's power, that you would carry God's glory, that you would carry God's radiance. That's what the Scripture is saying. Of His own will, He procreated and generated us with the word of truth. Now look, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. So what God did was he created a generation of sons. Now, touch your neighbor and say, you are the genealogy of God because of the blood of Jesus. You're the genealogy of God. So why you let the devil mess with you? Come on, why you let him mess with your head? Why do you let him beat you down and defeat you and destroy you and discourage you and, and, and all of these kinds of things? Why do you let the devil do that? Your genetics say you belong to God. Your genetics say that you're full of God's power. You're full of God's anointing. You're full of God's presence. You're full of the radiance of God. Now, we talk about it being a candle and the Bible talks about it being a candle, but then 
The Bible also talks about the, from the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. And here's what I think. I think, what, I think where the light comes from is not some little candle down inside of us. I think that God puts the fire of God inside of us and that's what lights up our life and that's what should light up the world that's around us. See, we have a choice to make. We can either walk around with the knowledge of God or we can walk around with the presence of God radiating out of us. As a friend of God, we can walk around with the knowledge of God. We can have a partial relationship with God. We can have a relationship like Abraham did, like David did, like Solomon did. God did a lot of things for them. But what God does for you, he's going to do through you. So in the Old Testament, God did things for men. In the New Testament, God does things through men. So that's the difference there. Why? Because in the Old Testament... He dwelled in a temple made with hands. In the New Testament, he dwells in this temple. In this temple. This temple was procreated by God. It was generated by God to be the house of God's glory, the house of God's presence, the house of God's power, not to be a storage facility, but to be a conduit between the earth and heaven. Hallelujah. So when we walk into a dark room, and when I talk about a dark room, I'm talking about a room where there's lost people everywhere. When we walk into a dark room where there's lost people everywhere, it should not surprise us if blind eyes start coming open. It should not surprise us if deaf ears start popping open. It should not surprise us if goiters fall off. Why? Because the light of the fire, the presence, the power, the anointing of God just showed up in that room. How many times have you been walking down the aisle at Walmart? Got to bring it down where we live, right? I mean, it's the Redneck Mall and half of us are Rednecks right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, come on now. I love y'all. I, I live here too. All right. How many times have we been walking down the, wall, the, the aisle at Walmart and we feel a nudge from the Holy Ghost to pray for somebody and so we walk by and say, bless him, Jesus, and just keep going. And you walk by and you think you're feeling, you're feeling good because you think that you obeyed the Lord. But, you know, it's kind of hard to pray for someone without a short conversation. You don't have to, like, pull out the oil and, you know, slap them on top of the head and pray that God slays them out in the middle of the aisle. But no, 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 no. A little 30-second little prayer maybe with your hand on their shoulder or maybe having their hand in your hand or something like that. And just tell them, you know, I was walking by here and... And I just felt the direction of the Lord. I don't know anything about you. I don't know what you're... I, I just... But I just felt... Can I pray for you? You'd probably be the only person that's asked them that question in Walmart. <laughs> you're being the light. You're being the light. You're changing the atmosphere with the presence of God that's inside of you. And you're letting it come out of you. And what will happen is God will move into their heart and God will move into their life and God will have used you. And so because you allowed God to flow through you in that capacity, the next time maybe God will, will flow through you even stronger. So we got to go on here, okay? 
So we're begotten, we're procreated or generated with the word of truth. We're generated by God, making us the genealogy of God. We're the first fruits of God's creatures, which means that God values us and sees us as precious. And then listen here, we are the harvest from the seed of David that was planted in a borrowed tomb. So we are the harvest from the seed of David that was planted in in a borrowed tomb. The word of God refers to Jesus as the seed of David. The Word of God also calls him the firstborn among many brethren. In John chapter 3 and verse number 16, the Bible called him the only begotten Son of God. That was because he had not yet been crucified and planted in that tomb and then three days later come forth in resurrection and power because later on the Bible says that God has many sons and daughters obviously. But God has many sons. Jesus was and forever shall be the original Only begotten Son of God. You and I don't have to go to Calvary. Jesus did that for us. We don't have to shed our blood. Jesus did that for us. But what He did through that sacrifice was He satisfied the law and opened up grace so that you and I could step... Are you ready for this? This is word word words, I guess you might say. I don't know. I know. I'm bad, bad... They'll clip that out. That's okay. All right. But Jesus did that so we could step into the new and better way. That's what the Word of God says. That's what the Word of God says. It says that a covenant is in force until the death of the testator. Jesus was the testator. He was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. When he died, that sealed, fulfilled the old covenant. When he rose again, that was a new and better way. And the new and better way is not friendship with God. It's sonship with God. Total different level of relationship. So of his own will begat, he was with the word of truth. Look at this, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. That just cracks me up because God calls us creatures. All right. Now, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Now, I've showed you where the Bible said that we would be sons of the light. I've showed you where the Bible said that God is the father of lights. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about how that, how that light brings us together. And then the Bible also says that God is light. And this is the message, the message of promise that we have heard from him and now are reporting to you, God is light. Come on, say that with me. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. No, not in any way. Now look at verse 6. So if we say we are partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him when we live and move and are walking about in darkness. Did you hear that? Did you, did you really get that? So basically what it's saying is if we say, if we profess something that we do not possess, so if we say we're partakers together, enjoy fellowship with Him when we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we are both speaking falsely and do not live and practice the truth. Now look at the next verse. Verse number 7. But if we really are living and walking in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with who? One another. 
Why do we have one broken? How come it didn't say we have fellowship with God? Because if you're in the light, you're in fellowship with God because God lives inside of you. Okay? And the Spirit of God that's inside of you, the Spirit of God that's in me, will bear witness with the Spirit of God. I know I just missed you, but the Spirit of God that's inside of Dr. John. And the Spirit of God that's inside of me will bear witness with the Spirit of God. I don't even have to know your name, Pastor Josh. I don't even have to know your name. I can see you walking down the beach looking for your family thinking, how in the world did I get all the way over here? <laughs> see, I listen too. I can do that. I can, oh, what in the world? I could do that. And I could look at you and know you're my brother because my spirit is bearing witness. See? You get that? You understand that? So here's what the Bible says. If we really are living and walking in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another and this is what binds us together. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses, removes us from all sin and guilt and keeps us cleansed from sin in all of its forms and manifestation. Now that's in the Amplified Bible. So what binds us together is the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is the glue that holds the body of Christ together. We have something in common. Something in common. We're called to be the light. And you know something? If I'm the light and you're the light and your neighbor's the light and the one in front of you and behind you is the light and we walk out of here today and we fulfill the command of Jesus to be the light, then we will impact our community like we are a city and there will be droves of people that will give their life to Jesus Christ. Now, here we go. It's when the church gets attitudes about the kind of slides that I showed you that we lose our edge. Come on, don't look at me like you've never had an attitude before. Every single one of us in this place has had an attitude before. But what we forget is, but such were some of you. But you're washed, but you are cleansed, but you are sanctified, set apart, holy unto the Lord. So church, as your pastor, I'm just telling you, we got to be the light. We need to be the light. So true fellowship with God will create unbroken fellowship with each other. Now, let me say it like this, and I'm trying to close here. I don't know where Robin's at, but I'm trying to close. Let me say it like this. The Bible says that if we're in the light, that we'll have true, unbroken fellowship with one another. If you are really a Christian, no one will have to convince you to go to church. Oh, we like to take that scripture and forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is and so much the more as we see the day approaching. But let me tell you something. Here's what I tell people. People say, well, I don't have to be a Christian to go to church. Here's what I tell people. If you're a true Christian, you're going to want to go to church. No one's going to have to. You might not always make it, but if you're not there, your heart is, and if there was any way for you to get there, you would get there. You know why? Because true Christians crave unbroken fellowship with one another. That's what they do. Now, 
Sometimes people come to church and they bite and they devour one another and they criticize and they find fault. And they say, well, I just don't, I just don't want to go to church because there's a whole bunch of hypocrites there. Well, what better place for a hypocrite to be than in church? Right. Amen. <laughs> I mean, where else are they going to get set? What, what do you want to do? Get them cleaned up before they come? And let me tell you something. There's absolutely no perfect church. Because no. the minute I walk in it, it's not perfect anymore. <laughs> if you don't believe me, ask my mama. One more scripture, Luke 11, 34 through 36, and I want you to play this video. But let's read it real quick. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye, your conscience, is sound of fulfilling its office, your whole body is full of light. I, I have to touch it because I have the prompting of the Holy Spirit. There's a passage in the scripture, and I, I, I really didn't want to go down this road, but I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do it. There's a passage in the scripture that talks about fault finding. And it says something along the lines of, why are you worried about the spot that's in your brother's eye when there's a beam in yours? And when there's a beam in your eye, light can't get in or out. So we need to just forget the fault-finding nonsense, okay? Let's just... Forget that. We're supposed to be the light of the world. There's too many people lost and undone without God. There's too many people that need what we have. we got to be Christians, real Christians, true Christians, and get out there and, and, and be the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye, your conscience, is sound of fulfilling its office, your whole body's full of light. But when it's not sound and it's not fulfilling its office, your body is full of darkness. Be careful, therefore, that the light that is in you is not darkness. So what he's saying there is make sure that you have sound doctrine, not false doctrine. If then your entire body is illuminating, having no part dark, it will be holy, bright, with light, as when a lamp with a, when a lamp with its bright rays gives light. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4 and that's the number four, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.